A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, Offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. <laughs> Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph. We come to you between the women's semi-finals, and my goodness, with only one having been played, we have a lot of stories to talk to you about after just a couple of hours of play. My name is David Law. If you're listening to the Tennis Podcast for the first time, I'm a commentator for BBC Radio 5 Live. I'm joined by Catherine Whittaker, who's presenting Eurosports coverage tonight here from Flushing Meadows. And we are gathering between matches, Catherine, because we've just seen, in order... Carolina Pliskova reaching her first ever Grand Slam singles final. We've seen Serena Williams beaten as she tries to create records for the number of Grand Slam titles. She's won, leaving her stuck on 22, along with Steffi Graf, and losing her world number one ranking. On Monday, she will no longer be the world number one. Angelique Kerber is the world number one. She has now just taken to the court for her semi-final against Caroline Wozniacki, and we'll be bringing you an update uh, an updated segment of the podcast with that result at the end of that match. But, I mean, at the moment, Catherine, I don't know about you, I'm just bowled over by the last couple of hours. It really was one of those sort of earth, earth-shifting earth moments for tennis. Yeah, the sequence of events has been unreal, really. Obviously, the culmination being Angelique Kerber walking onto court for her semi-final, already knowing that she is the world number one in waiting just at the moment she seems to be dealing with that just fine she's a double break up uh, against Caroline Wozniacki I've barely seen Wozniacki win a point um, but obviously the focus in this segment of the podcast is on well primarily Pliskova who was unbelievable today I didn't really I didn't know that she was capable of playing that well honestly I really didn't I mean she was retrieving today I mean I know it was never going to be the uh, uh, the forefront of her game, the defence and the retrieval, but she was doing it, and it was it was a better than I've ever seen it, and it was certainly helping it. There were a couple of key points that she wouldn't have won had she not, you know, been scampering around at the back back of the court and digging out those squash shots on the forehand. And I mean, that icy cool that she's been so criticised for uh, down the years, really. Uh, well, why is she being criticised for that? Well. She's been accused of looking like she doesn't care enough. Well, looking like you don't care enough and not caring enough are two very different things. Like, Actually, it's quite a useful weapon in, in many ways, isn't it? Because my sense was that you've got 20,000 people there. Serena starting to, to, to give it the guttural roars as she was coming back into it. And yet still, Pliskova looked unflappable, unruffled. Completely unflappable. I'm quite sure 
the experience of playing Venus and beating her from match point down, I'm quite sure that that helped enormously today because if she could deal with that, I actually think the crowd was louder in that Venus match than they were for Serena today. There were, there were a couple of moments when they were at full throttle, that crowd, but throughout, as a sort of general, as a, an average level of noise and uproar, I thought it was less than for that Venus match. I can't explain why. Well, there were a few late arrivals for a start because the, the traffic's been so rough, hasn't it, today? I mean, I think, how long did it take you? About four hours to get here? Yes, we had to do rehearsals for our live presentation of the semi-finals on the bus today due to, due to traffic. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Brilliant. Yeah, Catherine there, sitting there doing FaceTime into Eurosport live. No, she wasn't really. She was just doing rehearsals. But Catherine uh, eventually got out in front of the Arthur Ashe Stadium, uh, in front of uh, uh, the waterfall, managed to avoid the tree. I'm pleased to say, Catherine, uh, I have managed to find the footage of that. It is going to be on Eurosport tomorrow in a special programme called Catherine Walks Into a Tree. The cameraman does keep putting me up on sort of plinths and things that it's very easy to fall off and I keep explaining to him that I'm not the sort of person that can be trusted in those sorts of positions but he keeps doing it I don't know if he's waiting you know I'm going to end up on it'll be all right on the night I'm sure at some stage and for anybody who's never seen that think candid camera or anything where somebody falls off something that they really shouldn't do that's uh, that's what we're talking about Um, I'm a fine one to talk I should add on that now Serena Williams Patrick Moritoglu came out straight afterwards and informed everybody that Serena Williams had a knee injury to which uh, Serena Williams was asked about in her press conference just now and she confirmed that. She said uh, she was also asked about fairness. People seem to be keen to, uh, to ask whether given that she played her match late last night against Simona Halep, whether fatigue was a problem and also whether it's fair uh, given the, the the sort of Super Saturday type of scenario that we've had in the past. She was absolutely adamant, shot back. Look, we play this stuff every single week of the year, back to back, day after day, three set matches. It's not a problem. But she did confirm that the knee was a problem. I wasn't in that press conference, so that's news to me. I'm I'm surprised. Usually protocol is, is sort of an uncomfortable situation as it sometimes is, is to not immediately admit to any sort of injury uh, you might have there's no doubt she wasn't moving brilliantly tonight so that does tally but I should add she was at pains to to give Pliskova credit and uh, and say how well she played and and so forth but she and she wasn't exactly offering this information up um unprompted but when she was asked do you have any injury she, she said she did she said it's something that happened in the second or third round and and it was it was causing her some issues well, that's interesting, and it's better than the sort of best of neither world that you sometimes end up with, which is, you know, or sort of hinting at something being wrong and, and, and not saying exactly what it is, where, you know, and then speculation fills the vacuum. We all now know. Um, I, I hope it doesn't overshadow Pliskova's performance because she was unbelievable today. She really was unbelievable. And so brave. So, so brave. And, and if that was, you know, her sort of realising that Serena Williams wasn't moving brilliantly and trying to exploit it, then great. That's a tactic that, that really worked for her. Play, you know, it's not easy to play an injured, injured player. And, and I think to put it all down to the knee injury would be not right. No. And I don't think that Serena was doing that. I think she was 
by you know, I think she was just being honest, and I, I don't really have a problem with honesty. I, I think uh, you know we we want to know the truth. Uh, as and at the same time, she was she was very clear that um, that her opponent played really well. I also found it quite amusing when Angelique Kerber came into the tunnel for her pre-match interview. She was asked about world number one. I mean, she was just battered that away as quickly as she possibly could. Interesting as well that Serena Williams refused to talk about that subject. Look, I, I have no idea what it's like to, 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 to be world number one and, you know, a week short of breaking the record and not be able to quite get over that line, whether it, how much that bothers her or not. She's just frustrated as much as anything because she she wanted to win and she's she's a champion and she was unable to get over the line. I think the more interesting subject for me is something we talked about Nadal in regard to as to whether as players get older whether the nerve fails a little bit I can't I'm trying to think have I ever seen Serena Williams hit a double fault on a match point like that I mean that was that was a startling moment because she'd done such a lot of work to get back into the match and I, my, my impression of seeing her in the press conference was that that really irked her that she would bring defeat upon herself having fought back into it and and actually be the be the reason ultimately with a double fault to 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 hand victory to her opponent i mean it's so unserena williams like well i was watching the serena hallett match of last night on espn's coverage back at the hotel on a rare rare evening off and i was struck by sort of she stepped up to the line to serve out the match and i think it was pam shriver and mary joe fernandez uh were having a conversation about whether there's ever been somebody better at closing things out at doing what they need to in the big moments and I think Pam Shriver said well Steffi Graf is she was asked has anybody ever done it better and she said oh well you know maybe Steffi she was quite good and then she thought about it for a moment she said actually no Steffi was good but Serena's the best by far you just don't ever doubt her in in the big moments and and I didn't today right up until it was over I thought she was just you know creating the drama for the big comeback I really did and that's probably not doing justice to Pliskova. I'm trying to work out whether this, if you think of these three big losses she's had at Grand Slams this year, she obviously won Wimbledon, but she lost in two finals, now a semi. Is this the other players believing in themselves more and stepping up and taking her on and triumphing? Or is this Serena Williams maybe not quite as impregnable as she once was in terms of maybe both her game and her physique, obviously the, the left knee being an example and most specifically, the nerve. I'm just trying to work out whether she's lost something. You know, one point somebody made to me is she's actually only played eight events this year, so perhaps the match tightness on the biggest stages is, is lacking a little bit. Yeah, maybe as you get older, you, you know, that's never been an issue for her before, lack of matches, really. But maybe as she gets older, that that is going to be something she requires more I don't know I mean those words you just said substitute Serena Williams for Roger Federer and we've had this conversation before haven't we several times so that does sort of suggest a pattern you know the longevity of of tennis players now is more than it ever was so these are two unique situations Federer and Serena being at or close to the top as deep into their 30s as they are that's not really something it's not a case study we've ever really had before so the fact that they're they're both going through a similar thing um serena obviously a little bit later and and she's a little bit younger but suggests that maybe that is just a a feature of 
of ageing, of a great champion ageing. I'm definitely losing my nerve <laughs> as I get older, being a great champion at what I... Stop looking at me like that. Catherine, um, I've got to go and interview Pat Carolina Pliskova right now for uh, BBC Radio 5 Live, so I'll go and do that. Just a quick word before we'll, 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 we'll look at uh, the Wozniacki Kerber match after that's finished. I'll come back on and do that later. Um, we're, we're, just to say, Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez reached the doubles final again today. I mean, you know, from a British perspective, uh, we're always chuffed to see Jamie do well. I'll tell you what, that's a fantastic win over the, uh, the Frenchies, Mahou and Herbert. That's a really fantastic. I think one of them had a knee injury actually today. Oh, I but know. still, you know, it doesn't. You know, it's part of the game, though, isn't it? You, you know, you can't always be fully fit, and even the ones who maybe win, don't, maybe they're carrying something. You know, you've got to beat who's in front of you. So, well done to Suarez and Herbert. Um, no. Suarez and Murray. What did I say? Herbert. You're just showing off that you can pronounce the name right. I am you? actually trying to look for opportunities to say the French names that are really hard for me to say, and now that I've conquered them, so. Oh, so good, isn't it? Uh, Catherine, uh, so Murray and Suarez, well done, you two. Um, just, just to say quickly, Del Potro, moment of the tournament, I think. Fourth set, crowd come to life, sing his name, and he bursts into tears, and we all burst into tears. Yeah, and he said there was, that moment was better than any victory could ever be, uh, and that sums it up perfectly. It was as poignant a moment as I've ever seen on a on a tennis court predictions for the semis we've got Kael Monfils against Ge- uh, Novak Djokovic pole vault uh, I think Djokovic is going to win I could think it could be four or five I really think Monfils can challenge but I'll go Djokovic in five but I mean he's won he's beaten him 12 times out of 12 you, you cannot bet against that Gee, I didn't realise it was that one sided cracky and then the other one is Vavrinka who is up against who's he playing now I can't remember Nishikori uh, I think Vavrinka in four it's amazing how Vavrinka peaks at the right time isn't it I mean he's not looked anything in this tournament even in the first set last night he didn't look particularly great and then Nishikori won the last one here he came alive I know I, I, I that one could be tight as well but I think Vavrink is ripening and Nishikori might have ripened in the previous round and be g- okay. a, a smidgen overripe. A smidgen overripe. A smidgen overripe. Uh, I'm going for Djokovic in four. I'm going for Nishikori in four. There we go. You've heard it here first. Uh, right, we'll be back soon with Wozniacki Kerber Reviews. So I've just come out of my interview with Karolina Pliskova and Catherine Whitaker. While that happened... We, we know who the finalist is that she's going to be playing against. Who is it? It's the world number one, or the world number one in waiting, Angelique Kerber. Yeah, and, and didn't she play well? And uh, I, I mean, that was actually more one-sided than I probably expected. I think it shows how much the game has moved on in terms of Kerber's rise to number two in the world and the way she's been playing all year. And the way that Wozniacki, I mean, she's, she's sunk down to 74 in the world with all the injuries she's had and so forth. But, you know, there, there was a clear chasm between the two tonight. There was just absolutely nothing that Wozniacki could do. She didn't play a bad match. She threw everything at that. Far more winners than Wozniacki would usually hit in a match of, of that length. She was giving, that was all she could give. That's all she has in her. And it was so far short. Uh, that must be pretty gutting for her but yeah it just takes it shows you what it takes to put a dent in Angelique Angelique Kerber I mean 
yeah, j- just to muster the, muster the strength to hold her serve was difficult enough. I mean, the pressure she puts you under every single point is unreal. That's a, that's a very well said, uh, described analogy, I think, of this, this idea of trying to put this dent in this piece of metal that is Angelique Kerber. You know, good luck to you is all I can say because people have tried and failed all year long the one thing is, Karolina Pliskova did it. Okay, I think Angelique Kerber was probably short physically in that final in Cincinnati, but Pliskova is capable of doing it. She's capable of actually doing it even when Kerber is fully fit and playing well. And there's, there's not too many people in the world who can do that. Um, interestingly enough, I just, just walked th- through the corridors on my way to, to see you just now after that match, and Wozniacki was waiting to go into her press conference, and there was... Martina Navratilova, arm around her, consoling her, and I thought I quite I quite like that sort of kinship, that uh, that that understanding of what players are going through and and consoling, you know, from former champions. It's it's a really nice trait that has has come through the game in in recent years. I think if you were to go back many years, I actually think it's probably always pretty much been there in the women's side of the game. I think for a while, the men there was there was a lot of that sort of uh, disconnect between past champions and, and current players. I'm talking about before the Federer era, really. I think uh, there was an era when people were talking about characters and so forth, and, and, the, and the, play, the, the past champions weren't embraced in the way that they are these days on both men and women's games. But I, I really enjoyed seeing that, you know, from, from Martino. Yeah, well, I just feel envious that you saw it at night. Where was I, David? Where was my call to say, come and witness this glorious moment? Uh, you know how I like to eavesdrop, so I was, try- I was trying my best. Actually, I would not have revealed the content of their conversation, even if I had heard it. But I just, you know, it's just a nice moment in the corridor. What can I say? You were loitering with intent. I was. As, as we so often do in these situations. You spend a lot of... Tennis journalists seem to spend a lot of their life loitering, don't they? I'm a world-class loiterer. Uh, that sounds terrible. That sounds terrible. I really probably should edit that out of the podcast, but I'm not going to because you lot know where I'm coming from. Anyway, Karolina Pliskova, um, just so measured and so uh, so cool in the in these circumstances. She just, you know, I, I love that she she said, uh, "I woke up at one o'clock today, one in the afternoon." I mean, that is. Imagine if you could sleep through to one in the afternoon. That was that was her preparation for today. She's a woman after my own heart. Wow, wow, respect, Carolina Pliskova. I love that. I haven't slept until one o'clock in the afternoon. So I've never done it. Not even in student days. I mean, you know, you do it on a regular basis, don't you? Oh, I mean, this is probably more information than I should divulge to tense podcast l- listeners. But if no one had invented the alarm clock i would sleep into one o'clock every day every <laughs> single day quite high, high quality um so what, what else have you got to say uh, well i just came off off a closing link with with mary pierce who had commentated on the second semi-final but had watched the first one as well and my last question to her was you know how's carolina prishkova going to feel walking onto court for her very first grand slam grand slam final and and she's she said all sorts of things about you know the pressure and the the occasion and all of that but she said her parting shot was I hope she gets a good night's sleep because uh, Mary said she didn't sleep a wink the night before her first Grand Slam final and she said that made it incredibly tough so it's well, the good news is you happened to or Pliskova happened to mention 
what a good night's sleep she got last night. Yeah, well, it sounds as though she had a lift last night to keep it going for about three weeks. So, uh, you know, I, I think she'll be all right. No, uh, it's, it's, you would imagine it'll be nerve-wracking. She doesn't seem to carry nerves around. But I suppose if you are one of four players in history who have beaten Serena and Venus Williams in the same Grand Slam tournament, then you are capable of handling quite a lot. But anyway, Catherine, that's the, uh, the day's tennis done dusted. That's about it for the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with the Telegraph for today. We will be back, hopefully, with another show. Hey, we're going to do a, a periscope. That's when you stick a camera in front of your face, isn't it? And, and uh, record us, too, on, on video, on a phone, for anybody who fancies tuning in, isn't it? Yeah, apparently this is, this is what the kids are doing now in new media, so we've got to get on the bandwagon. OK, right, fine. Well, we're doing that, hopefully Saturday. We're going to do that about 1 o'clock in New York uh, about about 6 o'clock in the evening UK time and uh, yeah keep an eye on Twitter and we'll let you know for sure when that happens but for now on the Tennis Podcast we'll speak to you soon Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby It's me Kiki Palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 